1: Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, and we're excited to re-watch and recap it along the way.
0: Today, we're covering Season 1, Episode 18, The Third Lorelai. When Lorelai's grandmother offers a trust fund for Rory's education, Emily fears losing contact with a financially independent Lorelai and Rory exciting
1: i have to say i love tricks i think she's great oh <laughs>
0: no okay I know. we'll talk about it
1: <laughs> i mean she's not nice by any means but mm-hmm. i like what she brings to the table i guess i don't
0: know okay <laughs> we'll get into All it right. and first shall we do our talking fast segment <laughs> yeah i suppose so okay are you ready yep okay go There are many Friday night dinners in this episode. The first one establishes that Trix is coming to visit. Then there are more... Dinners that are awkward with tricks and everyone there because she's kind of overbearing. Emily has a complex relationship with her. There's also a study group thing going on creating the government. Seems like a fun project. Uh drama between Rory and Tristan in Paris. Rory sets Paris up on a date. She yells at her at the end. There's a trust fund going on and Suzanne can tell you us- <laughs> I might
1: have cheated. <laughs> no, nah, I just let you go. Point six is that six milliseconds i
0: guess (laughs) Uh, we'll have to throw it out then yeah it doesn't count (laughs) disqualified
1: i'll just place the buzzer right over your your talking
0: (laughs) okay all right yeah it would be like a or you could play me off like i'm at the oscars you know (laughs) if
1: i had the technological skills to do that i would
0: Mm -hmm. okay are you ready i guess so okay on your mark get set go
1: so we start off by finding out that Trix is going to come visit emily goes downstairs to the basement and starts pulling out all the things that she's ever been given um at the same or not at the same time but later on rory is in a group with uh, paris and madeline and louise and tristan the only students we know from chilton and they're creating a government rory and tristan talk and rory sets or tries to get tristan to take paris out for dinner um, eventually Paris and Tristan have a date and it's very bad and then Tristan you know, takes uh, Emily and oh my god uh, I started panicking okay
0: mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm.
1: by the time we get to season seven I won't panic at these um 30 second recaps
0: <laughs> yeah it'll be cool calm and collected yeah
1: in the meantime that's practice I suppose <laughs> okay I guess we should we should definitely slow down and get to some of the details. Um, I really liked how this episode started with a Friday night dinner and just the three women Emily, Lorelai, and Rory sitting there in silence Mm -hmm. and Emily (laughs) being kind of disgruntled about how three women can sit there and not have a single thing to talk about. Which I understand sometimes there's just nothing to say.
0: (laughs) Agreed and this kind of that also pushes Lorelai to start saying like <laughs> yeah. nonsensical things as well
1: she said she says a butt model makes ten thousand dollars a day which is that's a that's pretty amazing but I I don't know I guess you do have to probably do, put a lot of work into having a butt worthy of
0: modeling <laughs> I guess and if you buy the butt you know mm-hmm. like through surgery that might cost yeah, more too but it's true <laughs> I feel like this is what Lorelai would want us just get sidetracked immediately by her small offhand comment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of
1: course, Emily does not find it
0: uh, funny. No. And I also noticed in the scene that their new maid is named Siri, which made me think yeah. of the iPhone. <laughs> I thought
1: about that also for a second. I was like, because uh, Emily was just like calling commands to Siri and for a second, mm-hmm. I thought
0: um, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> But the main point of this scene is to establish that Trix or, you know, the third Gilmore or the first Gilmore probably, uh well first Lorelai, I should say, is going to be visiting in a week and Emily reacts negatively, like immediately. <laughs> yeah, she goes down to the basement, starts pulling out all
1: of the things that Trix has ever given her. Um Trix is Richard's pet name for his mother, by the way, Um, just Mm -hmm. to (laughs) avert some confusion. I don't understand how that nickname comes up, but anyways, and I think it's funny that Lorelai goes down and is seeing all the stuff that Emily's pulling out, and it just reminds me so much of pretty much any gift from your grandparents when you're especially like a teenager or something and your grandparents get you clothes or something for a holiday or your birthday and most of the time you only wear them when you're going to see your grandparents that's (laughs) that's what it felt like at this moment
0: (laughs) I just I loved seeing Emily in this state because she's freaking out (laughs) she's so flustered I've never seen her so you know Mm -hmm. she's usually Unless she's angry. We've seen that side of her. But we've never seen her, like, lose composure due to nerves or anxiety. And she is, like, very manically pulling out all of this different furniture. She has Lorelai help her carry out this really heavy rug. And it's, like, immediately, you know. She has a week, but she's doing it all right now. She's so stressed out. And it's also perfect because it's so ironic. Like, Like, Emily has dictated her own taste Mm -hmm. to Lorelai so many times she's acted like she knows everything about style and taste and Lorelai is so like tacky for not following it and here she is like that's the card she's been dealt by her (laughs) mother-in-law and I just think it is so funny and so like you get what you give kind of (laughs) so hypocritical (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: I was surprised that Lorelai didn't make a big deal out of that, like pointing out how Mm -hmm. hypocritical Emily was being. But I also thought that she was just kind of enjoying seeing her mother sweat like that, which clearly is what's happening later on.
0: Yeah, that'll be a running theme of like Rory saying, don't be mean, don't enjoy your mom's suffering and Lorelai's like I'm not I'm not but I am gonna take this camera to dinner with me like don't worry about it
1: (laughs) Uh, the days before smartphones Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) after this scene we turn to the second plot line the next day which is a Chilton group project once again this reminds me very much of the group project we saw earlier mm-hmm. in the season that brought together Paris Madeline Louise and Rory this time Tristan and a few other unnamed unpresent people are in their group I think really to service some interesting like character character development and plot lines between that group of students and once again I think this divide this plot device works for the episode mm-hmm. Um, this, I think this is a more fun group project. They're coming up with their own government, which I think is a very interesting hypothetical thing. Like, if I had to teach government or politics or something, I think I'd like to do a class like this. Yeah. It was cool.
1: I was a bit confused about the premise of the project, mm-hmm. like, because they started off talking about Elizabeth I, so I was thinking maybe they have to do a historical government or maybe right. like each group is diff- given a different time period and they have to make a government like that but parliament wasn't really a thing in the elizabethan mm-hmm. period so i'm not really i'm not really sure where, or i maybe paris just wanted their government to be basically the english government
0: <laughs> yeah i almost wondered if it was like create your government but cite like your like your Mm -hmm. models or why you think this would work and what like yeah i don't know but she wants that she does mention the elizabeth elizabethan government model but says there should be a king and queen (laughs) and i didn't fully understand why that felt a little like on the nose of like oh the writers want to like address Mm -hmm. this tristan and rory thing because they kissed last episode
1: yeah, I can't imagine Paris being pro-monarchy. It just doesn't seem like Paris to me.
0: <laughs> no, I think we all know she'd clearly be like a dictator. Yeah.
1: and if she were, <laughs> if there was going to be a monarchy, I don't under—I I don't see Paris thinking that there needs to be a king.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> agreed.
1: But it also this also made me realize just how much um, Shakespearean stuff and like from that time period uh, the Chilton curriculum relies upon. (laughs) So far, it seems like most of what they've been learning has been about Shakespeare, more or less, Mm -hmm. or, like, around that time period, and this isn't the end of Shakespeare for Chilton, so I'm just very confused about the breadth of their curriculum.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point to raise, and it makes me wonder what the Yale curriculum will look Mm -hmm. like because I'm kind of wondering like is this the Amy Sherman Palladino imaginary of what a private school Mm -hmm. curriculum is like and then what is her take on like a a a Ivy League school later on (laughs) because yeah you think even if they do have like a very exclusive um Reading list, they would still read more than this, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more to learn than just about Shakespeare and the mm-hmm. Elizabethan period. Although it is pretty fun, and they have cool outfits and stuff. But right, you know.
0: <laughs> and Louise, it was Louise, right? Says that mm-hmm. she plans to wear like a lady in waiting, uh, ver- like reveal low cut. Dress or something like yeah. that because they get the sex, she says. I was thinking
1: <laughs> if this was about the time that The Tudors was on TV. I don't know if you've ever seen that yeah. show. <laughs> but it is basically yeah. like a sexy renaissance show. Mm-hmm. That's about it.
0: <laughs> Definitely. But running throughout this scene and the following one after their class, Rory and Tristan are having these little awkward encounters such as like their hands graze when she turns the page in her book. They tried to leave the door at the same time. And this is really implying there's some unresolved tension. And Rory basically says, we need to talk about this. And Tristan agrees. They're having this conversation, I notice at the very front of a classroom while students are coming in. It's like a in-between class period. And I just was thinking like, If I were in the show, I'd just be the person, like, sitting in the desk waiting for class to start listening to, like, Rory and Tristan talk about their relationship Mm -hmm. drama, you know? Like, just, why are they doing this? It's, like, the TV of it all, it's, like, what a weird spot for them, but that was probably the set that they had up, you know, Mm in the classroom. It was silly.
1: Yeah, I got a very... Well, I guess I really understood why some people... Our interest in in these scenes, if we were to completely ignore everything he'd done up until last episode, he would. This would just be like the Chad Michael Murray from um, the Cinderella story, like that kind of like mm-hmm. heartthrob guy who's kind of emotional but awkward. Um, but of course, he's also been terrible and mean Mm -hmm. and sexist
0: and we can't forget that (laughs) I agree like I thought I found him to be the least annoying he's been the Mm -hmm. entire season this kind of like awkward version of him but I was like the switch flips so fast you're right like there's no acknowledgement of how he acted previously and I'm like is it so are we supposed to think either his public heartbreak like when summer dumped him combined with the kiss with rory and his new crush on rory like are we supposed to believe those things completely change Mm -hmm. changes how he acts entirely and that rory entirely forgave him we already like questioned if that would be the case and it's yeah i don't know i have complicated feelings about it i'm like you can't just change his character Mm -hmm. And if you do show a bit more development, this was too fast to just flip in a couple episodes.
1: Yeah. It was, I don't know, they just really really wanted it to be like a a blonde rich Dean I think <laughs> for Rory mm-hmm. to look at and to possibly go out with. And I'm I'm glad it doesn't go anywhere. And I kind of liked that Rory in the moment when they were sitting down and talking about their relationship, Rory kind of in a roundabout way did the whole let's just be friends thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like the door is kind of closed on them at least from Rory's point of view so that's good at least I think
0: (laughs) is this the point when they were thinking about like oh if we have a blonde, rich guy, but he's not, like, entirely an asshole, is this, like, where they started to think about Logan? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, maybe. he'll be an <laughs> asshole, but not completely. Um, he'll be at Yale or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. I had a
1: moment after their conversation here. So after um, Brory has suggested to Tristan that he ask Paris out, which I think was just a bad move all around, just because Paris mm-hmm. is interested in Tristan does not mean that they would be a good match at all, and I don't understand how Rory thought it would go well. Mm-hmm. Um, But after this, um, Paris and Rory are talking, and Paris gives Rory her manifesto, and this is actually where I had my Rory's bookshelf moment, and it ties into... One that I accidentally almost had many episodes ago where I thought that they were talking about the Unabomber. I think in the episode (laughs) where Dean comes up to the window when Rory's out Mm -hmm. and talks to Lorelai. Paris asks whether Manifesto is a little bit too cabin in the woods and Rory replies saying, "Um, don't open your mail. And this is a direct reference to the Unabomber and I know I'm right this time. (laughs) Because the Unabomber like hid out in the woods like he was basically a recluse in a cabin in the woods and then he sent these bombs to people in the mail so i know that that's what who they're talking about this time so that was my uh little true crime rory's bookshelf moment
0: <laughs> when was that exactly that was after because rory and Tristan talk and then there's the scene at the inn and then oh yeah Rory and Tristan talk again.
1: Yeah, so it must have been before. Sorry. So this was before the scene at the inn. So they've just decided that they were going to be working over the weekend. And Rory and Tristan haven't talked yet. (laughs) Sorry. Very confusing. Yeah, no, it's
0: totally fine. But I got a little (laughs) lost. Okay. (laughs) So at the inn, the main purpose of this scene is that um, Lorelai picks up the phone from her, and it's Emily calling her, asking or should I say demanding, uh, to get this horrible coat rack back <laughs> from Lorelai, and Lorelai really takes this on. Really jokes about how she's so shocked that Emily gave her a used present because clearly that like goes against proper decorum. And Lorelai says, "What would Miss Manners say about this?" And Emily responds, "If she met your grandmother, she'd understand." And I had a good laugh about that, and I also wanted to nominate it for my Rory's Bookshelf (laughs) moment. Uh, I just thought this was was a really funny scene of Lorelai giving her mom a hard time about the whole used present thing because I can totally see Emily saying, like, you should never do that. And this Miss Manners reference was something I wasn't so familiar with, so I did look that up. And if I located the correct Miss Manners... This uh, was an advice column which began in 1978, so I think that would make sense that it would have been popular at the, this time of SARS-Halu events happening because it was um, it was distributed across 200 newspapers worldwide, and Miss Manners was a figure who would answer etiquette questions from her readers and publish essays on problems of manners and things, and i think the actual woman i think was judith martin her last name is martin uh was the person behind miss manners and yeah that's about all i have to say about that but i've always like thought the whole idea of manners and taste and decorum that we see through emily are fascinating and i thought it was funny that she was the one in the wrong (laughs) the out of the decorum here and lorelei could tease her about it yeah
1: (laughs) That reminds me, I don't know if you've ever watched Downton Abbey, but um, towards the end of the series, Edith is running a newspaper and she starts running an advice column, which ends up being written by the butler of her grandmother, Um, but Mm. it's got some pretty funny advice
0: bits in there. Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know if those still happen in newspapers. I bet they, I bet they do.
0: Yeah, it seems a bit old-fashioned to try to, like, uphold the proper manners of, like, mm-hmm. white bourgeois society, you know? So I could see why they would be not so common anymore. But I think there are certain manners that could still be beneficial, like being polite mm-hmm. and <laughs> writing the nice email or things. But <laughs> I could see why you do away with the whole not giving a used gift. Like, a used gift could be fine if you if the other you know whatever yeah I don't need to go off on
1: that but that's true Mm -hmm. um I liked this little scene at the end and it almost got my Lorelai's closet nomination for Mm. Lorelai's like uh turtleneck kind of shirt that she was wearing with like a pink and brown and gray pattern on it but something else came up later that knocked it out of the water but yeah
0: nice (laughs) So after this, we return to Chilton. And as you had mentioned earlier, this is when we see a conversation between Rory and Tristan since they've agreed to talk. And Rory essentially does say uh, the whole friends idea. And she also mentions this. um, She says, like, why don't you pick a girl with a little more substance Mm -hmm. who is smart and driven and has ambition like Paris? And I... Did not put this as my Friday night dinner critique, but I did want to flag, like, this is just what I've been, we've talked about before of, like, the, there's Rory in Paris, ideal women, they're Mm -hmm. so great, but all the other girls are just so vapid, and no ambition, like, for all we know, Summer could have plenty, she could be very smart and ambitious, but she just wanted to kiss multiple (laughs) people, like, that doesn't mean, or the fact that, like, if someone would like to be a trophy wife, like, so that's, like, what they want to be in life. They probably have good hobbies or do other things, too. I was just a little annoyed.
1: Yeah, I did nominate this as my Friday night dinner for exactly those reasons.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Um, because, yeah, she, like, was Rory was saying that um, he shouldn't pick girls who were stupid and dumb. And I was just thinking back to Summer at that party, and she didn't seem Dumb at all to me. She Mm -hmm. just seemed like she had an idea of what she wanted and she was going to go for it and she wasn't going to just go along with Tristan because he was hot. And Mm -hmm. I I just, yeah, I I was kind of disappointed that that was the only reason that Rory thought that Paris and Tristan would be good together is because Paris was different from the girls that he dated before, which is something I always have a problem with. Like the, not like other girls trope in mm-hmm. literature and movies and stuff. And I think I don't know, I think it was kind of a bad move of Rory because as I said, like there's there's literally no reason why this would work out. Tristan is kind of enamored with him, but if they really had a conversation, would they have much to talk about? Um mm-hmm. or is it just a physical thing and Tristan has no reason to like Paris. <laughs> Like, he he's just not interested in her. They've known each other for so long, and he hasn't been interested in her. So I think mm-hmm. Rory thought that it was kind of like a, I'm pointing this out, you've never thought of it before, and it, it's like, she was always right there in front of you. Um, But I just don't, I just don't think that's right, and I don't think that Rory was really taking into account their personalities.
0: <laughs> no. And later on, Madeline and Louise also say that Tristan's type is like a bad girl, mm-hmm. And Rory implies that here too, like you never go for girls like Paris, but are we ignoring that he's obviously had a crush on Rory for like months now? Mm -hmm. Um, So like, what is his type? Like I, like she, he's clearly been into Rory. So she's, I feel like she's actually slightly even wrong in her kind of rude statement as well. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and also, would we consider Paris a good girl? I just I don't know. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Paris maybe has a little bit too much nuance for this conversation.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think this is the start of Rory obviously not noticing that Tristan is into her. Mm -hmm. To the point that I'm a bit like Rory is smarter than that, even if she's not as experienced at dating. Like he literally said, Do you want to try it again? talking about the kiss. Mm -hmm. Like he's asking her to kiss again and later on he's gonna be like i like someone else and she's like oh okay and it's that classic trope of not realizing the someone else is you yeah um so it's ironic also that she's saying go date someone smart when like she's not being that smart right now (laughs) and he's
1: (sighs) also made his intentions clear many times in the past that he wants to Mm -hmm. date rory or at least like have her as a conquest or something (laughs) But, yeah, uh, this is just such a bad a bad move on Rory's part.
0: Yeah, I was inwardly screaming and no anticipating that. But we can talk about that more when she finds out later. Yeah. All right. Speaking of tense moments, <laughs> uh, we have our Friday night dinner with Trix, and on the way there, I had my Stars Hollow moment. It's like a close call because we're practically we're like not even in stars hollow anymore (laughs) but it was as they were transporting the coat rack (laughs) to the house i just thought this was like so funny i don't know if we've talked about it too much before but lorelei's jeep is like iconically Mm -hmm. stars hollow to me and her whole like love and loyalty to it that she'll later on like replace it with the exact car or like spend so much to get it fixed so that it's the same car. So it's very much like a fixture of the town to me. And I thought this was such a Star's Hollow-esque way to transport this coat rack because it's like sticking out the back of her car. It looks really awkward and it seems really out of place in the car. And later on, I also just think the coat rack itself is hilarious mm-hmm. because on the phone, Emily described it as being like awful looking. <laughs> and she, I think she said it might have like beasts or dragons or something yeah, that you weasels. hang your coats on yeah thank you but when I was looking at it once they bring it into the house it looked like just baby cherubs mm-hmm. like little angel figures so yeah it
1: was definitely <laughs> it, ugly
0: <laughs> it was ugly yeah it was ugly and just funny um when Emily answers the door, she's like, do you have it? And they're very like sneakily trying to get it in. There's a bit of like physical comedy to it as well. I was just like, that's that's good. That's good. <laughs> a bit of lighthearted fun to what will be like a heavy dinner, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I also had, well, I didn't have my Stars Hollow moment in this, but I have my mm-hmm. Lorelai's Closet moment <laughs> as we meet Trix for the first time. So after the whole uh, coat rack or hat rack or whatever it is, the after that moment, they go into the parlor and they see Trix sitting there. She's wearing, like, it looks like an old-fashioned, I don't know, English rich person's outfit or something, but <laughs> she has a gold monocle that she's using to read and I love it I want one of those I mean I don't have a use for that but I want one of those or a pocket watch or something so bad because I'm just a weird person who likes antiques but Mm -hmm. it was just so cool and so strange and like brought so much weirdness to her personality before she even spoke just like sitting there reading the newspaper with a monocle is awesome and I want one this is, I think, one of the first Lorelai's Closet moments where I've actually wanted <laughs> the mm, thing that I've nominated.
0: Mm-hmm. I like it. And, like, the old English rich person mm-hmm. outfit. That's the technical <laughs> term for that style, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: white kind of mm-hmm. ruffles at the collar. I don't know. I It's know, very weird.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. She looked like she could have been in, like, I mean, i I don't even know. Oh, she reminds me of the grandma from Little Women. Oh, yeah, yeah. A little bit. That's, like, yeah. the most recent movie I've seen. But <laughs> And similarly to the grandmother in Little Women, Trix is this figure in the family who seems to, like, have a bit of control and, like, access to wealth that could influence the family members <laughs> around her. At least, like, Rory and Lorelei, as we'll come to see. But so you, you mentioned at the start that you, like... as a character at least so what I'll let you say a bit about what draws you to her or like what's entertaining about her to you and then maybe I'll follow because I did place a bit of a Friday night dinner critique with her character
1: well I definitely see why she is a questionable character she's very mean to Emily um and like points out flaws of Emily's in a really unnecessary way, but I really liked how she talked to Lorelei about like Lorelai's mm. business. She really complimented her on um, being a hard worker, which I think is kind of ironic coming from somebody who just has family wealth, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I thought that was really nice. Um, and she also likes Lorelai's jokes in a weird way. Although later Mm -hmm. on, she does tell Lorelai that, you know, she's had enough of the jokes. But she does appreciate Lorelai in a way that Emily, I think, secretly does, but would never say. And I was just thinking of this, especially in contrast with the Strobe and Francine meeting for Mm -hmm. Rory. So she's meeting her great-grandma for the first time, and I felt like it went much better. She got to talk to her a bit more, and i don't know i just like the tricks is so crass in a very richie rich kind of way like Mm -hmm. the way that she shuts down emily maybe i was kind of channeling lorelei
0: and laughing at emily's discomfort (laughs) Mm -hmm. no i think i agree that as like a like as a character placed into this family dynamic i like it quite a lot because it stirs up everything that we've gotten used to like we know how Emily and Lorelei relate. We know like how Rory and her grandparents relate. So to throw in a new person who like holds even more power than Emily and Richard in the family dynamic made it really interesting. So but I do like think my critique is mostly about the way that she does treat Emily because I do think she is just so um like, so overbearing and inconsiderate to Emily, like, Mm -hmm. bossing her around, asking her to do things, like... And it is funny, too, so I kind of have a bit of a mixed feeling about it. Like, she says, am I supposed to eat that cheese when Emily brings her cheese? So then Emily goes to get her nuts, and she's like, am I supposed to just put those in my hands? So Emily goes to get plates and silverware, and then she's like, let's go to dinner. So, like, it's kind of funny, but it's also so cruel, and, like, the way she manipulates... Every, like, Emily and Richard, because uh, Richard is such a mama's boy, we come <laughs> to find out in these scenes. But the line that I thought I would base my critique on is this line that Trix says pretty early on when she's observing Lorelai and Rory for the first time, and she's, like, wanting to get a look at them. She says they're healthy, and she points out that Gilmers don't get sick. And it's because of the Gilmore blood mm-hmm. and Gilmore's don't get headaches and things like this. And she's implying, she's like literally implying Emily's vitality or like constitution is worse because of her blood, mm-hmm. like her family that she's beneath the Gilmore name. And it's so rude. And there's so much like stuff going behind that whole like metaphor. Or I think she literally does mean blood too, mm-hmm. though. Um, which as you say is ironic because she like does she do anything does she really work or have like what does she use her health for like her generational wealth yeah I don't really know but like (laughs) um it reminded me I think the last thing I would say is that it reminds me of like the dynamic between Rory and Logan's family when she Mm -hmm. goes and she discovers like oh actually the Gilmore blood or name is not the top of the line like there's actually other social circles who consider themselves even better than that and Rory is treated like shit at that family's house and um and but yet like that's also how Emily treats any guy that Emily I mean sorry that Lorelai and Rory bring to her house so I'm just noticing these like uh patterns of cruelty that even though Emily is like at the brunt of Trix's cruelty toward her, she still returns that exactly the same way to, like, Luke or Jess or Dean if they come by. And it's only, like, Logan who she will, like, treat kindly. So, uh, yeah. That's a whole, like, a whole thought, a whole bunch of emo <laughs> thoughts in my critique there for today, but it's fascinating stuff. <laughs> yeah, I
1: agree. This whole problem of, like, the idealization of blood purity is a huge problem i feel like i don't even need to say that but um as we see daily i guess we do but i think there are a lot of instances in this show where we kind of get like bits of that and i kind of i need to learn more about the dar but i think that that's one of the Mm -hmm. biggest uh components that I've seen that I see in the show that like really focuses on that kind of blood purity and like following a pure bloodline from a certain ancestor or something like that Mm -hmm. I also I don't know if I'm remembering this incorrectly or not but I think that Trix (laughs) married a cousin Mm -hmm. I I'm pretty sure at some point later on we find out that her maiden name was also Gilmore and then she married her oh. cousin. So it's like it truly is like a, a basically pure that... bloodline, which is, mm-hmm. yeah, very, very uh, problematic.
0: <laughs> right. That, and that is so ironic to think about. Um, I mean, and like the, the what I think we like class like the European aristocrat, like we joke about how they all married within their family and then. Um, That ironically produces people with, like, worse health because that's not actually a good practice, right? And then there's also then the context of, like, yeah, the U.S. and the whole white supremacy kind of logic behind also believing in purity of blood and, like. Yeah.
1: And the fact that Trix very clearly here equates blood purity with supremacy, like, literal supremacy,
0: Um, Like, we're better. We don't get headaches. Yeah,
1: That's, yeah, something that the show doesn't really, like, the show uses it as comedy here, but Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot more to be dug into about that. And I think, yeah, once we get more into DAR stuff, I'm going to learn more about the DAR also because I don't want to make any assumptions, but (laughs) just how it's portrayed in the show, you know? (laughs) We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor.
0: Have you recently stood up a will-they-won't-they special friend for a painting date? Broken up with a girlfriend abruptly after she didn't say I love you back? Upset your daughter by suggesting a trust fund for her child would tear the two of them apart based on your own resolved emotional trauma? Or set your friend up on a date, she found out about it, and now she's humiliated and says she hates you? In any of these scenarios, you might want to purchase the other person
1: flowers that say, I'm so sorry, or will you say you love me already? Or please forgive me, I should communicate my true feelings openly and probably go to therapy. Or I only meant well, please don't hate me anymore, and also could you give me back my mom's black mini skirt?
0: The SARS Hollow Flower Shop is the perfect place for all of your unique flower needs. We've got lilacs, white roses, carnations, and much more. All perfect options for the person in your life you might owe an apology to.
1: And for listeners of Talking Fast, we've got a special offer for you this spring. Mention code I'm sorry at the main counter and you'll receive 25% off a specially arranged bouquet of flowers. Just let the employee know what the favorite color of your hurt friend is, and they'll whip you up something to delight and appease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Another thing that Trix is very anti is Harvard.
0: (laughs) So we get like
1: a little bit of conversation about Rory's schooling. And uh, in this conversation, we also, Trix also finds out that Lorelai's getting help from Emily and Richard, um, which will mm-hmm. lead to something else, but she also is aghast that Rory is considering Harvard rather than Yale, and it's just a huge, huge deal, um, mm-hmm. which might be one of the first times that we really find out that Richard is went to Yale
0: mm-hmm. and wouldn't
1: be happy with harvard i don't i don't know that that's
0: come up yet but right they really lead you to think she's gonna go to harvard Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is as we've said this is a spoiler podcast like but that was actually truly a twist when she goes to yale i was like yeah anyways (sighs) um okay so speaking of rory's schooling we return the next day, in the next scene, to the Saturday study session that Paris has insisted on for this group project. So we must assume the stakes are high. They I don't really mention mean- like why they are spending so much time, <laughs> but they are. And this is why uh, Rory won't go to the second dinner with her grandparents and her mom. Well, so in general, Rory walks in with a bunch of coffee for everyone and she gives Paris the specific coffee order, which I had two things to think about here. First is that I thought it was nice that she got her specific drink and it shows that perhaps they're progressing in their friendship more if she knows like her exact order. Mm -hmm. But secondly, the drink was a uh, decaf. And I wondered, like, does Paris not drink caffeine because she's already so high energy <laughs> and high strung that it would just, like, send her over a cliff? Oh, gosh. But I also, like, would envision Paris as someone who would be, like, ha- like hyped up on caffeine at all times. Like, I was just surprised by the decaf, <laughs> and I'm just morally opposed to decaf coffee. I, oh, I
1: drink I'm decaf. I'm all about that
0: caffeine. <laughs>
1: I drink decaf every
0: day because I right. can't
1: tolerate caffeine it's really sad Mm -hmm. as i've gotten older but actually Mm. this moment was also my stars hollow moment i had trouble finding one for this episode because we didn't spend much time in stars hollow but i picked it for an imaginary scenario which is Mm. rory stopping in at luke's before getting on the bus to go to chilton just mentioning where she was going and then luke showing up moments later with a box of donuts for her to take to her classmates and asking for the coffee order and i know this is all imaginary and it didn't actually happen as far as we know but that's <laughs> that's how i imagine this moment happening and then rory showing up and giving everybody donuts that I don't remember. They had clown faces or something. They were strange. Yeah,
0: and they had hats. (laughs) Yeah, very weird. But I like that. I like that idea. (laughs) Definitely.
1: Maybe actually thinking about those donuts, that wouldn't be something Luke would have (laughs) in his establishment. (laughs) But oh well. Oh well.
0: Oh well. (laughs) It's a nice thought. The major thing that happens in this scene is Tristan asking Paris out. And then Paris getting some feedback and advice from Madeline, Louise, and Rory in a fairly humorous conversation <laughs> where Madeline and Louise, like, they do have the upper hand over Paris a bit in their experience and knowledge of dating. Paris is like, she has, she knows so much more than Madeline and Louise, obviously, but they're like sharing all this knowledge that even if it's correct or not, like, they are experienced daters. They're talking about things like, a water bra and like if you are asked in less than 24 hours it might mean someone was you know someone canceled it makes me think a lot of like uh it's like the younger teen girl version of all of Emily's social knowledge Mm -hmm. like later on Emily will make a big deal about being invited to Sookie's wedding and it means someone dropped out you know this is the same thing that they're implying like oh it means you know whatever but I can see basically why Paris goes to Rory for help later on because they really like intimidate her in this moment. Mm-hmm. They talk about having a pink lady makeover
1: referencing <laughs> the um, the group of women in uh, Greece. Are they called the pink ladies? Mm-hmm. I know they have the pink jackets. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, the pink ladies. Yeah.
1: I I liked that reference if it hadn't been for the Unabomber that would have been my Rory's bookshelf but Mm -hmm. I
0: (laughs) you're vindicated by the Unabomber (laughs) (laughs) reference
1: but I I love the like I don't know what it is about makeover montages and stuff in like teen movies but there's just something very satisfying about them in a Mm -hmm. really Hmm. weird way and so I liked that they were proposing this although I am also glad that Paris didn't go to them and get a pink lady makeover i can't imagine what that would have been like
0: (laughs) i know exactly (laughs) i think part of what makes makeovers so satisfied is when it's the ones that like enhance the person and it's Mm -hmm. like a it's still a version of themselves but like new and improved versus there's so many makeup montages that we see also that are like totally not that person Mm -hmm. And I definitely think that's what would have happened to Paris. Like, she does not need a water bra. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. I do remember when water bras were things. I think that was before my time. It was crazy. I guess this was probably, this came out in probably, like, 2002 at this point. So, I was, like, right around my, like, (laughs) bra-wearing years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, everybody was Mm -hmm. talking, everybody was, like, all the girls were talking about wearing their first bras and stuff like that and I just remember I think it was probably Victoria's secret or one of those big bra bra ba, brands God. Uh, mm-hmm. such a hard word <laughs> they're big bra <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think the water bras lasted very long because of practical reasons such as mm-hmm. explosions <laughs> and leaking. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be so embarrassing like you go to hug somebody or something and just start leaking <laughs> i mean i guess that probably happens yeah. when people are breastfeeding but that's a different mm. more biologically different. yeah <laughs> yeah that was you know for a, a real reason
0: <laughs> anyways totally <so. laughs> So fast forward a bit later in the day as we've alluded to Paris is nervous about getting ready for this date and she does want help and she decides to turn to Rory and I thought this was so sweet. Uh, like she says you said I could come to you if I needed someone to talk to and at this point I was like feeling a bit of dread because I knew Paris was going to get like obviously I knew she's going to find out and be angry at Rory later on And I was disappointed and anxious about that watching this because this is such a lovely scene Mm -hmm. between them and they're really progressing to the furthest point in their friendship and they're about to have such a big backslide later on. I was like, no, but I did enjoy it while it lasted and I had my Lorelai's Closet Mm -hmm. nomination and it's not actually when they go to Lorelai's Closet to get Paris an outfit. I want to nominate here Paris's closet, okay? <laughs> because she says she's brought all of her clothes that she owns, which is just a small pile. So I don't know if that's true. But, like, she says she brought everything in case something has hidden potential. Um, and I just want to say, like, sure, her clothes might be a bit boring or professional, maybe a bit lackluster in comparison to Lorelai. But they also, like have value. Mm-hmm. They're probably comfortable. She's probably um like confident in them at you know, she I don't know. I'm just like there's a to, there's a place for I'll, I just feel very represented as a person who is not that fashionable, should yeah. I say. Like I'm more like a Paris in terms of that than like a Rory or a Lorelai. I like, you know, I try to be fashionable occasionally. I like some of my fancier outfits, but I'm more if I could be in my perfect state, I'd be an even more casual (laughs) version of Paris with like sweatpants and then maybe like a nicer top if I have to be on Zoom. Right. (laughs) Like I just wanted to. Like shed a little bit of like praise on her own wardrobe, like it's doing just fine. I think it will get I think it gets even better. Like I thought the outfit she wears to study the next day was cute. She had Mm -hmm. like a longer cardigan on like. Just because you're not a fashionista does not mean you don't also deserve nominations for your outfits. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I liked all of her clothes. None of them were Mm -hmm. like, it wasn't the color palette I would choose. They were all kind of like beige and brown. Mm -hmm. I would choose more like navy or black, (laughs) but (laughs) I liked all the clothes. And she also like all of her clothes fit her really well, which I feel like Mm -hmm. is not something that happens easily as a teenager. And they all, like, mm-hmm. look good on her and fit her personality. And I did, yeah, really like the outfit she wore the next day. And I have to, yeah. when she got her Lorelai's Closet makeover, I guess, <laughs> I have to say that she looked good in the outfit. But mm-hmm. the top is that kind of material. It's a material that I hate. It's, like, mm. a super synthetic, thin translucent material Mm -hmm. that you just get sweaty in and it doesn't it also like doesn't soak up any sweat so you just end up kind of dripping sweat and you're gonna be nervous going on this date we know (laughs) she's
0: gonna be sweating (laughs) yeah i can just imagine
1: her like just having like a pool of nervous sweat and it's just not going anywhere and i I don't know i just hate Mm -hmm. that fabric it's Mm -hmm.
0: Though I did have a question. Did you notice that Paris said she brought everything she wears except her uniform and her bar mitzvah dress? Mm-hmm. And is she Jewish? She she must. Or is that a joke? Be, I think she
1: is Jewish, but I don't feel like we ever get any more references to that.
0: Yeah, because I was like, I feel like if Paris's family was Jewish and like that could have been a whole super interesting thing to bring into, like, Paris's background and her presence at Chilton and whatnot. Like, I don't know, maybe Amy was saving that for Marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel or something, yeah. but I don't, I don't know. I was just so thrown off by that comment. Yeah, I, something,
1: I want to say that we get more references of her being Jewish, but I can't think of them specifically, so it might be wrong. I don't To me, it kind of fit with her personality, like Jewish, yeah, stereotype that was on TV at this time, with like the kind of Mm -hmm. fast talking, outgoing. Basically, Lorelai. Yeah, I I did notice it, but it didn't seem out of character to her. But at the yeah, if it is true, then why? That would have been a, I think, a bigger plot point for Paris, maybe, Mm -hmm.
0: but maybe not. Yeah. It could, Yeah, it could be something for us to, like, track a bit more, not only with Paris, but the, also just the uh, elements of Jewish culture that make their way into Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. Because I think I have read before, and maybe I can look into it a bit more, but people have talked about Amy Sherman Palladino incorporating, like, Jewish references and things like that in Gilmore Girls that she then later, like, almost the, like, lifeblood of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is Jewish culture, Mm -hmm. you know, and Midge, the main character, like, Amy always has her, like, fast-talking brunette women as, like, the lead, and Midge is, like, a fully, like, a Jewish woman, and that's, like, part of her identity, and that that is so much more, like, fully explored in that show than it is here, so I was just very caught off guard with that comment from Paris, but I'm curious to, like, see more about it yeah <laughs> anywho <laughs> returning to the actual scene at hand uh, another thing i liked was this conversation between paris and rory as they're bonding sharing more details paris kind of asks her about dean and says she's sorry that they broke up and they bond over guys making them nauseous. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas like, <laughs> Dean made me nauseous at the start. And Paris has says, like, she's probably going to puke, want to puke, like, 12 times going to the car. And that's why she went to Rory. And I just love this, like, representation of, like, friends. We've seen this with Lane and Rory before, mm-hmm. of, like, turning to someone for moral support in this moment. And I find it so relatable. Like, I, too, have been very nervous before, not only a date but just something like an important meeting Mm -hmm. or something like that and you just go to your friends for like please help me (laughs) yeah seriously Mm -hmm. again
1: bad choice in shirts because of this reason
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. we also
1: find out that paris has prepared note cards for talking points (laughs) for the date which i i thought was adorable and also not a bad idea so I'm not saying take them to the date with you and pull them out on the date, but there's no harm in, like, kind of refreshing yourself on some topics that you could talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say this especially if you're going, like, on a blind date or something, like, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of refreshing yourself. And especially if it helps with nerves, like, this probably really helped calm Paris down (laughs) knowing that she had these... Talking points in her back pocket um so i i don't see what's what the problem is except actually taking them out out on the date like at the dinner table that would be awkward
0: right and was the card that rory tells her to remove about the spanish inquisition <laughs> yeah, that may be and she said maybe not romantic <laughs> enough so also keep them a bit at least a little topical mm-hmm. right right <laughs> okay and we find out later they go to a movie anyways which is a good date because you don't have to talk all the time yeah and then you
1: can talk about the movie
0: (laughs) right right okay yeah so meanwhile Lorelai is at a Saturday night dinner not usual for the show (laughs) and basically the main thing that comes out of this dinner is Trix suggesting that loaning money is a dirty business
1: (laughs) I actually had my gazebo moment in this, um, when, so first off, I just like, I mean, maybe it's unfair of me to be nominating Trix kind of in general in this scene, but she brought Rabbit with her from London, which is ridiculous. But then, yeah, I think she quotes Shakespeare and says, neither a borrower nor a lender be... And then she poses this question about whether Lorelai thinks Shakespeare is a wise man. <laughs> and I had to bring this up because Shakespeare is known for many things, but I would not consider being wise as one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was prolific. He was a good writer. Um, but he, I don't. He wasn't a philosopher or anything. I think she just meant, like, you know, this is a smart um, sentiment, which is tr- true, but I th- I just thought it was kind of funny. So that was my gazebo moment for the episode. For some reason, I had a hard time picking at a moment.
0: Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> um, And so, yeah, so this leads into this conversation about offering up a trust fund for Rory and you see Emily very stone-faced she doesn't react outwardly but I think the like very stone-faced we couldn't sense internal turmoil already from this news which is what we'll hear about her feelings about this more later on as Emily kind of follows Lorelai out and she starts to express all of these kind of doubts or concerns and really gets into Lorelai's head with some of these comments about how money is freedom. And if Rory gets that money, she won't need Lorelai anymore. And uh is kind of like laughing this off, telling Emily she's not being telling her she's like crazy and things like that but Emily's saying you think losing your daughter is funny but she'll move out once she has options and it's terrible not to be needed you'll see these are kind of snippets of what she was saying and I'm just like how does Lorelai not hear clearly Emily is voicing what has happened to her and her actual like it's terrible not to be needed that actually like I mean we've said so many things about Emily she's not perfect but like that hurts to hear like she feel like, oh, there's such emotional weight to that and money is the thing that has brought them together again. And I'm like, Lorelai, can't you just hear it's not about you actually, it's about Emily. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're both missing the point that it's actually mm-hmm. about Rory. <laughs> but yeah. I do feel like it yeah, it is so obvious here. And if Lorelai had just acknowledged it, Maybe it would have turned out okay and the money would have still been around. But it was really sad to hear Emily talking about basically kind of noting everything that she felt when Lorelai left her and Lorelai still not hearing
0: it. Right. Because it's like when we have the perspective of Lorelai, we view this like, um, it's like they have such a contractual obligation I have to go to dinners to go, um, to keep up the end of the deal. And it's like a chore to do. And we're like, wow, Emily's kind of a bad person for making them have to come every time for this money. Like, why can't they just give it to them? And then they could choose to go or not. But it's also like, when you think about her motives for doing that or like coming from this place of actually wanting a relationship and that's almost like a ruse, Mm That she doesn't even care about, really. She doesn't care about the contract, but she just wants to see her daughter. It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, complicated and sad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I felt bad for Emily. I wish there had been some clear communication, but, you know, there never yeah. is. It's a show.
0: <laughs> I'm going to make that same point later on in their, their tea conversation. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> After this, so Emily is, like, ushering or Lorelai is running out of the door to go and talk to or tell Rory about this. By the time mm-hmm. she gets home, she's kind of rethought that. Um, sees that Rory's asleep and just leaves it for the next day. But the next day dawns with Suki and Lorelai at the flower shop, which looked beautiful. We also get a shot mm-hmm. of our troubadour friend singing some songs. <laughs> and Lorelai is telling Suki what ha- what happened and kind of, like, ranting about how Emily went off on her. Um, Suki, as usual, knows exactly what's happening <laughs> and also realizes why Lorelai hasn't told Rory about it yet, um, which is that Emily's gotten into Lorelai's head and mm-hmm. Suki is trying to point that out. Lorelai, of course, dismisses it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it seems like simultaneously another conversation is happening between Emily and Richard. Mm -hmm. This is when we see Emily like really worked up more than we've seen so far. Richard says she's hysterical, which is never a great thing to call a woman, (laughs) especially when she's worked up. It does like what a loaded term. And also, it's simply just not going to calm someone down, right? (laughs) Um, And Emily is saying like that. Trix has demeaned her. She's looked down on her. She said Emily Tarnish is the name, as, like, insinuated that she's the whore of Babylon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she's given up getting into her psychotic good graces. I just loved all of those mm-hmm. phrases. Emily has such a flair for the drama. <laughs> but, like, this is unforgivable, basically. And Emily, even though, like, when she was warning Lorelai at the surface level her warnings were about Rory and Lorelai and we could read into them and clearly see what was actually going on. But she didn't actually admit what she was really feeling or what she was really scared of until this moment with uh with Richard where she finally admits and it kind of like says out of the blue, like she'll never come back, Lorelei. She won't have to. And that was my gazebo moment, actually. Uh, because, like, oh, I was waiting for that moment. I could kind of recall from my memories of watching the show that she says something like that. And it's just so heartbreaking. And I'm not, it's not a happy gazebo moment, you know, but it's just so well written. I feel like it furthers this uh storyline and, like, the progression of their characters. And we're getting a sense of, like, the emotional weight that's going on underneath all of these, like, casual fights they're often having the bickering like underneath all of that there still is this true feeling of like um like the to feel that your daughter is only there because she has to be is heartbreaking in itself but then also to feel like that you're willing to accept that just to keep seeing her Mm -hmm. and to keep her coming back is also heartbreaking too (laughs) and um there's so much to say, of course, about how Emily is responsible for creating much of that circumstance to begin with. But, like, to just hear her admit that, I think is so powerful.
1: Yeah, it was such a, like, a vulnerable moment. I also liked Richard's response, which was to say nothing.
0: <laughs> but Yeah, they just look at each other. Yeah, but
1: he gave, I, d- I don't know, this act. I sh- should know the actor's name. It's, like, at the tip of my tongue. Edward town. Herman? Yeah. He's like so good at just giving like a knowing look and we've already had Mm -hmm. this a couple times with him and Lorelai, but here I felt like he really like portrayed that he heard Emily and heard her vulnerability and like Mm -hmm. understood where she was coming from at this point, even though he'd kind of been almost to the point of saying that he would side with his mother over Emily in this whole Mm -hmm. debate um but i yeah i liked how he finally understood had a light bulb moment of course we don't get to see what they talk about later but
0: that's a good point like you do he doesn't say anything but i think you're right that we get the sense that he hears her perfectly and that non-verbal acting is just top notch <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's a talent but before Before we get to the final scene between Emily, Lorelai, and Trix, we do have the wrap up of the Sunday morning study session, day two of this group project. And it's so unbearable to even talk about. (laughs) First off, who, what kind of
1: teacher assigns a group project on a Friday that's due on a Monday? That's terrible. (laughs) But (laughs) it starts off with Rory sitting on a bench doing homework or reading about the government or whatever. <laughs> and Paris comes yeah. up, as we've said, in a very nice outfit with like a long I think it was kind of a burgundy cardigan. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. But she comes up, Rory asks her how the date went. Um Paris seems to think that it went really well. They even kissed at the end. And it yeah, it seems like everything is on a good track uh but then tristan walks in (laughs) Mm -hmm. and paris goes over to talk to him to kind of say like oh i had a great night last night we find out that paris has been a little bit overzealous with telling him this with five messages which i understand is way too much (laughs) so i kind of get what he's coming from (laughs)
0: not not quite as many as dean we've heard true yeah, that's true. <laughs> but she like says like, "Okay, you got the message. My bad. I overdid mm-hmm. it." Like, oh, come on. <laughs> Cut her some slack. I She's know. new at this. <laughs> yeah, I felt I, God, I felt so bad for her in this moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Cuz she yeah. <laughs> she proposes that they do it again sometime and he said, "Yeah, I'd really like that." And then he kind of pauses. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> as friends. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you just see her face like go from just like happy and hopeful to disheartened. But then of course mm-hmm. it doesn't end there. It gets even worse. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, when uh Rory suggested this and with that Paris's face goes from disheartened to livid. <laughs> yes. And she cuz Tristan just outed Rory for matchmaking them more or less Mm -hmm. which as we've said is like the that's the worst thing (laughs) it's like to be it it really does seem like rory is giving her cast-offs yeah to paris at this point (laughs) (laughs) because rory's like to get him off of my back i'll say he should go out with paris and it's Mm -hmm. it's just terrible for paris especially if this is her first dating experience
0: Yeah so she kind of turns from Tristan to approach Rory about this really angry says that um, yeah she doesn't want to be a charity case that she is humiliated and she's saying this once again you know we've talked before about Paris's like loudness and and the fact that I think everyone in the room can hear this fight at this point um, which may be like furthers her humiliation a little bit, but I'm not really going to blame her. I think she's just like in the heat of the moment, feeling really hurt, uh, storms out. Like I said, I just had a pit in my stomach because I thought their, you know, this is definitely going to affect their friendship for the foreseeable future. And Rory then is angry about this. You know, she's like now angry that Paris is angry. So she goes over and accuses Tristan of telling her. And he, I feel like, understandably, is like, I didn't know I couldn't tell her. Like, that part was not communicated to him. And, uh, wow, I just, you know, I said I was on Tristan's side for a minuscule <laughs> minute there.
1: <laughs> I felt wrong. I I agreed though. I almost got the feeling that Rory came to lash out at him out of a feeling of, guilt because she realized that she had proposed them dating like for the wrong reason (laughs) she had exactly like it was her yeah she realized that she'd done it just to get him off her back more or less Mm -hmm. Um, not for any real matchmaking reason
0: and you know earlier paris had said that she has like great powers of deduction uh I don't remember in reference to what... Either way, I just wrote in this... I wrote in my notes that Rory does not have Paris's power mm-hmm. of deduction because she does not realize Tristan is talking about her when he says, like, I like someone else, and that is you, Rory, clearly.
1: <laughs> this was so... Such a teen rom-com moment. Like, mm-hmm. he he's just sitting there looking all, like, downcast and and she doesn't even realize and everybody is s- screaming at them like obviously he's talking about you Rory um mm-hmm. i'm part of me is glad that he doesn't make it more explicit just because then we things would have gone differently but this was just such a yeah. terrible scene to watch it was just like secondhand embarrassment for everybody involved
0: yeah seriously. It's like I feel so hard for Paris. I also don't want Rory and Tristan to be together. I've come I had completely forgot about this like second wave of the Tristan and Rory of it all. I did not remember that like in the interim of Rory and Dean, there's like this like bit of flirtation or development between Tristan and Rory. I think I only remembered Tristan as like the asshole at the beginning. I've honestly been surprised that he's been around for almost all of season one. Maybe I had blocked it out of my memory.
1: <laughs> he does he does stick around remembering a very specific scene that might be in the next couple of weeks. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'll brace myself for it.
1: So after this, we go to high tea. Um, before we talk about this scene. I just have to say going to high tea is a wonderful thing. It makes you feel so fancy. You get the little tea cakes and little treats. It's very cool. Um, I mean, now that anybody can go to high tea. Now that it's not a societal limitation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they go to tea at this place. I'm assuming it's kind of like a fancy hotel or a fancy tea house or something. Um. Mm -hmm. When Lorelai shows up, Trix isn't there, so it's just her and Emily, and they kind of start talking again about the money. Um, it kind of seems throughout this conversation that Lorelai starts to pick up on what Emily's really feeling about the money and about what Rory having it, what yeah, what that would do to their relationship. Lorelai explains that there's no amount of money that would change her and Rory's relationship
0: yeah it, it seems like Lorelai's had this you know resurgence of her confidence that the money wouldn't affect her and Rory and she wants an apology from Emily about that but I still was feeling that and I mean I would blame Emily for this one like Emily's not saying I'm worried about our relationship and how money has affected our relationship, and I think Lorelai would be receptive in this moment if Emily admitted that to her right now, but she does not, and so it goes unsaid, and I th- was just like if she could have just said, I support this trust fund, but I'm really worried that you and Rory won't be a part of our lives anymore. Would you still keep coming to dinner on Friday? Like, we love to see you. Like, come on, I guess do you need a season two at that point, though? <laughs> like, yeah. Is it too early to resolve these things? <laughs> Maybe.
1: <laughs> I really got the feeling at this point that Emily had completely forgotten that this money, like, this was about Rory's future and Rory's, right. like, education. For In mm-hmm. her mind, it was all just about how money is the tie that <laughs> binds Lorelai to her.
0: And that was about to be
1: severed. That
0: was kind of poetic. Right, right? As many things, the fights that are going on do not center Rory when they should. Like the Max and Lorelei fights, all of these different things we've pointed out <laughs> before. Like, hello, do not forget the, the target of everything. <laughs> the child that you should be thinking about
1: first and mm-hmm. foremost, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, well, Trix comes back. And she kind of calls tea off. She says that she wants to leave. Um, We find out that she really just doesn't want to listen to this (laughs) terrible display anymore in the tea house. But she also has Mm -hmm. come to the conclusion that both Emily and Lorelai, more or less, are not mature enough to deal with this trust fund. So it's off the Mm -hmm. table, Um, which I think is a little bit extreme, I don't see why she couldn't have just said, "Let's make it twenty-one instead." Because, as far as we know, Roy never has a trust fund after this, which seems strange mm-hmm. um, from her economic background. But
0: yeah, and Trix says that she questions the maturity of everyone involved, and pointedly meaning Lorelai, and that she doesn't want to trust with the money, and she thinks that Lorelai gets this immaturity from Emily. So yeah, I, I, like, I definitely hear you about the way that she was treating Lorelai at that initial dinner when they met, but this, still, this felt very much like a case of turning on someone immediately when they don't act like you want them to or do what you want them to. It's like she was willing to be amused by Lorelai at the start, but now that it's like she... Also, I think now that Trix aligns her as acting more like Emily... It's like she's cut her out completely. Like, okay, you're not like a true Gilmore, and I'm done with you. And I have no time for you raising your voice during high tea. Who heard of such a thing? Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: And again, Trix here is also forgetting that this money could be fundamental to Rory's development.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: that's what should matter. Um, if she, I'm sure there are ways to do this, but if she wanted. To make sure that Lorelai didn't have as much say in the money, I'm pretty sure you can write that kind of stuff into these trust fund rules or whatever, however they work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I agree. I liked Trix in the beginning, and I still like what she brings in, sense, in the sense of humor, but in this mm-hmm. instance, I think she was a little bit extreme. Um, a lot of what she did was unnecessary, and yeah. Poor Rory, Uh, as Lorelai says later, she missed out on a quarter of a million dollars because of the kind of pettiness of three women.
0: (laughs) The third Lorelai is negatively affected by the first two and the Emily. (laughs) Uh, And the the scene is wrapped up with Emily saying she's sorry, and she does seem genuinely sorry. Like, I think after this has all happened, she realizes the weight of how Rory will be affected by this, you know, a little too, little too late. (laughs) But she's kind of like, what can I do to make it right? I can try to talk her back into giving the trust fund. And Lorelai's kind of like, it's fine, it's over. Uh, But she does agree to not make them take the coat rack back, which is a kind of nice little line that indicated they've forgiven each other because they're now joking about the coat rack again
1: Lorelai at one point also says something about next week and I feel like that really made a difference for Emily just more of a confirmation that this would be an ongoing relationship
0: Mm -hmm. yeah like see you next week (laughs) and yeah Speaking of seeing you next week, I think that brings us to the end of our episode.
1: Yeah, I don't know about you, but this was a fun episode, but I wouldn't call it one of
0: my favorite episodes, to be completely mm. honest. <laughs> See, I was really into this episode oh. <laughs> more so than maybe um, like the one where they go to the co- like concert. Interruptus mm-hmm. was a bit more of a rough one for yeah, me. Absolutely. I don't know. I feel like the more we watch, the more we'll start to tune in to like, what kinds of episodes are most gripping for us. Or, I don't know, yeah. if that makes sense. What we have the most to mm-hmm. say about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, listeners, if you have figured out what episodes you have the most to say about, you can send us a gazebo moment from the first season and an email to talkingfastpodcast at com or in response to our weekly Instagram posts about our gazebo moments that's also talking fast podcast at Instagram <laughs> and as always we really appreciate if you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast
1: cool and we'll see you next time i have a yeah. feeling something dramatic is coming Ooh, okay <laughs> until then <Yeah. laughs>